Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab. And today, crikey, we go a little bit esoteric, but I think it's really, really good. You're joined today by me. My name's Goose. And, and I'm Charlie. Let and, me chime in. I'm hey, Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> we cooked that one. Sorry, Charlie. We can do it again. We can do it again. Um, we'll do it again on the next episode. But Charlie, how are you? I'm excellent. I really am. I really enjoyed recording this episode, particularly because we didn't talk about any of the things we actually planned to talk about because there was a bigger conversation to be had and a really calming conversation to be had <laughs> that I think um, is the premise of what we made all together here. But Goose, what was your biggest insights from this episode? Well, to be honest, we started the episode. The, the when we before we started the episode, we were, the idea was that we were going to talk about you know portfolio building and end, end gaming portfolios and how to manage debt and how to think about all that kind of stuff. And we went t- totally off piece in a different direction, which I guess is not totally unsurprising. But where we got to was a deeper, deeper conversation around the pursuit of more and what the goal really is with any of it, with any of business and property and all of that kind of stuff, and what we should be optimizing. For and it's um and it's a conversation we haven't had before, but I also think it's one that's supremely impactful. And we touch on a lot of ideas uh, in this episode that will transcend industry, will transcend um, demography, that will transcend um, status, and I think that it'll be very very impactful, really for 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 anyone, but particularly for business owners. Absolutely, and the the point I would really like to really I suppose get a lot of people to dig into and understand or think about more is just the future of business in general. I think it's a very, very changing landscape. And if you're going to really chime into that, you might think about where you're going and what you're doing very differently. Yeah, 100%. And I think that the more that we can focus on building a Parthenon, I think is is one of a Parthenon of, of that has multiple pillars that is going to hold up a, hold up the the roof of our of our of our wealth. I think that's where we're going to sit. So anyway, we covered a lot of ground in this episode. So Charlie, should we just get into it? Let's do it. Awesome. And guys, if you want to access more information like this, make sure you head to theinvestorlab.com.au. If you want help to build a property portfolio, well, we are accepting people by application only. Just head to uh, theinvestorlab.com.au. There's a contact form there. And of course, if you need anything at all, reach out and let us know what you think about these episodes. We really appreciate the feedback and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. You're with Goose and Charlie. Charlie, how are you? Thank you so much for having me on again, Goose. I'm actually feeling really well. I had a bit of a sick day yesterday, but I've woken up and I'll tell you what, this day is just, uh, it's going my way so far. It's going my way. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, and uh, yeah, we were supposed to catch up yesterday and obviously you're a little unwell, so I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better today. You said, thanks for having me on. I don't know if I can not have you on. I think that you are now a part of this on a on a deeper. I hope you're, I hope you're, you, you do realize that you've now signed up for like the next 10 years of property and business <laughs> series because people have been loving this. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that this started as just a little idea I thought was going to be a mini series, might do three episodes, yeah. and now it's becoming um, a part of the show. So I'm, I'm quite stoked and excited about it. But I'll share my news because I think many of the people uh, who are potentially listening to this may have experienced some of the same things. But I've been going through some real challenges with uh, refinancing and financing with different banks, uh, which I won't know, uh, name at the moment just due to the year. And I was delighted to open my email this morning to see that we're good. 
we're absolutely good. My um, refinancing has been sorted. My borrower capacity has changed again. Like I'm back in the game. Okay, so that's I'm I'm very pumped for you. I'm super I'm super excited. Uh, on a personal level, I'm I'm jacked. I'm absolutely pumped. What are you going to do with that? We don't need to go into the specifics of your personal finance, right? But I'm I'm curious, right? So, as a business owner, you, we've you, everyone on here knows that. Uh, and it's quite funny. I was talking to my brother the other day, and he's like. Charlie's, Charlie's some marketing guy, isn't he? I'm like, well, he's kind of like a marketing guy. That'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> and, uh, I'm the Google, as my name would say. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie's on the internet. So, so Charlie from the internet, what are you going to do with property? What's your, what is your strategy? What's your goal? Like, what you, Now that you've kind of freed up, you've got the capacity to, to take a next step, high level, what are you going to do? I would say the way I'm thinking about it is probably for the last 10 years, I've been very heavy in business. And yeah. I would um, not toot my own horn, but I've got good business assets. Like I'm quite happy with the assets I've built there. From my perspective, I've got haven't put the, enough into uh, outside of business yet or into the property of side of things, which I'm quite excited about. So across this year, it's been a bit of a journey to kind of more balance that out and set up both sides to, I suppose, plan for the long game and the end game, which I know is something we're going to be talking about uh, today, hopefully. Yeah. But my whole approach now is to continue on with the plan and play a very long game. Not looking for short-term wins. I'm not trying to make quick flips or anything like that. But my whole prospectus is to move forward on the bigger picture here and make progress in property. Okay, so why? You know, like, and I, and this is an interesting. I think it's going to lead into a lot of what we're going to talk about today. And I want to kind of pick this apart. And I want to look at you as a case study, as a business owner. You're a business owner. You've been in business for a long time. You've developed good business acumen, as you mentioned. You've got good business assets. Why? Why is it that you now? want to build wealth outside of business? Why is that actually even important to you? And why why have you not just said, well, I already know what I'm doing here. Why don't I just go deeper on that, diversify more? Why don't like what's the what's the thinking behind changing the asset class? And what do you hope that it is going to help you do that business might not be able to do? It's a really good question. Uh, I'll, I'll frame this in a few ways. Like, I have a personal love for property. My parents actually are builders. Like, they build and flipped property and built up spec homes and sold them and had lots of adventures. Like, I had a childhood that not many kids had. It's like, I remember after school, I used to dread uh, mum picking me up. I preferred to get the bus because she would drive us past the house we were working on and it was my job to clean up the site for dad so that or put insulation in the wall all the terrible jobs um, but I actually know how to put a house together so it was one of those things where it was a really interesting experience but I think that's probably like I don't know where my first love for it or attachment of it uh, has and maybe that's just my perceived safety from my parents but it was like I, I enjoyed it it's something I've always enjoyed now, to answer your question about like, well, why property above that or what does it create for me? I think long term, it's got to be one of the most proven assets. And my kind of view on it is that if I enjoy it and have an interest in it, plus it's got a proven track record uh, for many outside of myself or direct influence, like all over the world, property's been a great asset, mm. then that's a path I want to pursue. Now, Again, and this is maybe where I become a bit, what's the optimist? I think it's pessimistic instead of optimistic. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what I do right now won't exist in 10 years. Like I, every day I get up and get on the internet and look at some of the things we do in media and there's people right now writing code and building machines to replace what we do as a company. Mm. So I'm very, very aware. And a good friend of mine, um, Mike, um, his daughter 
built a artificial intelligence robot that was programmed to do the YMCA. She's nine. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? The- oh, man. So like a nine year old is programming things on here, and I'm like, I just see over the next ten years that this landscape is greatly changed. Now I might be adaptable. I might come up with something else. I might be the one that writes some code or hire someone to write some code. I can't write code that might go after that. But I think on a long-term risk parameter here, it's like it doesn't make sense to me to be doubling down on a thing that I know is going to be being replaced. It's like if I said to you, Goose, we should really double down on our um, blockbuster video rentals and the yellow pages. We should invest some in Kodak right now. Mm. You'd look at me like this is insanity. So I have a very long-term view on like how the industry, I'm not getting out of it. I love this industry and I'll ride this wave as as long as we can, but I'm not biased to it. And how do you view your industry? I'm interested, like, do you view yourself as being part of the marketing industry, the internet business industry? How do you define your industry? Or do you just say, like, I mean, yeah. Where do you see? Where do you see yourself on a, on a macro level? On a macro level, from an industry basis, that will will survive through the next say 10, 20 years on that level. Okay, so this is uh, I kind of class us as media, and I would say that we're probably it's like media influence almost. So there is a marketing element. I mean, a lot of the podcasts we work on, this one included. Um, the whole, I suppose, reason or meaning behind their show is to educate or inform people to make different decisions mm. or be influential in a decision in some way, um, which I think is really indus- interesting. Now, I don't think podcasts or even video content is going anywhere for a very, very, very long time. What I think will actually change is what's required on the back end of it to make it so. Mm. So I don't think editors will exist. I don't think that, like, I think you'll be able to get your show notes artificially written I think images will come and be created based on like it's becoming drag and drop already. Like we've already seen how like a tool like Canva has changed Photoshop or well, it's nuts. It's actually it's actually beyond drag and drop. So I was playing around with some new uh, uh, tech uh, yesterday and the day before. So I'd recorded a video. I'd, I'd, sorry, I'd actually recorded some audio. I'd recorded an audio track. I uploaded the audio track into a program which used artificial intelligence to source stock footage based on the words that I said. So it would match the types of footage in the background. So if I said fence, then there'd be a moving image of a fence going by. But it was done in a, not in a, in a clunky way. It was done in a really kind of like, kind of like the level that you would have seen on a TV ad about five to 10 years ago. And it was just like, I just put it in and pressed play and it costs like 20 bucks. And it's like, all of this stuff is completely changing, but it's an interesting one. Um, you know, it's the innovator's dilemma, right? So what we've got in what you've got in real estate, I guess, is you've got like how far could you innovate real estate? There's a lot of ways you could innovate the 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 types of of dwellings, and there's a lot of innovation in it. But at the end, the root the root is going to stay the same. People need a place to live, right? That is my fundamental reason why it became more interesting to me. And again, I've had some experience in the uh, share market as well. I actually quite enjoy shares, but I found it to be a very active strategy. And I I really looked at this and said that, well, people are always going to need a place to live. I enjoy it. And then, you know, I'm not, I can't predict future returns or anything like that. But on a a forefront of what I believe, like I'm, I'm into it. I think property is the way to go for me. So, okay. Why not just go, why not just go all in on property? (laughs) <laughs> it's a really good question. Um, when I think about that in itself, I like business. Like I don't actually have any intention of 
getting out of business. Like I think business is the probably the hardest intellectual sport on the planet. Yep. And I look at that and I don't think I would get the same enjoyment in property in that way. So the idea, and I I guess a lot around this series is like, if I'm going to do two things, that's going to be it. And Mm. I want business to be my active strategy. I want that to be the thing where I'm innovating, trying new things and pushing boundaries. But on the other side, it isn't a place where I necessarily want to store all my wealth or have the future of my family or my retirement depend on it, so to speak. There's a big question there that can you even store your wealth in business? This is a big question. Can you store? And I'm interested in your perspective about this because a lot of the time real estate is seen as as a, a place to store your wealth. Now, there is a lot of other aspects to it and it can be very you know, uh, fruitful in the short to medium term as well. It doesn't have to be like a big uh, big bank, right? That's, I, I tend to disagree with that general premise. But a lot of people think about, all right, that's where I'm going to have my wealth and I'm going to move it over there. So given that business is inherently volatile and given that it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It really does not matter what industry you're in. You could be a YouTube ad specialist now and you could be leading the game in that and then in 10 years' time, you're probably, you're very, it's very unlikely that you're still going to have the strength of business that you currently have now. I see uh, online coaches that are doing really, really well, but that might not be a thing in a few years. Um, you could be in farming and then all of a sudden foreign trade agreements change. And then, you know, you, we've heard about all the wine export bans and all of a sudden there's like whole industries getting getting shaken up. So it doesn't kind of really matter what sector you're in of business. It's inherently volatile. Like and there's inherently a lot of stuff outside of your control that that it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me as being somewhere that you can store wealth. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it is somewhere... You know, if you okay, let me kind of rephrase this again in a diff, slightly different way, if you didn't have any interesting property and you were just like, I'm just in business, how would you position yourself for an end game strategy? I think I'd almost look at it in the McDonald's model again. I would bring real estate into it. I'd want to own the real estate these businesses operated within because that would be the asset I would go after. Okay, but to, to take that out. Take that out. Try and just as a mental mental uh, uh, exercise, detach real estate and just look at the business component. Because you're right, you know, McDonald's actually isn't in the business of fast food. They're in the business of real estate, right? And what they've done is they've worked out a, a uh, commodity franchise that sits on top and, and they can monetize that, but they own the land. That's where they get all the wealth from. But if you could detach this, you you have an internet-based business, an internet-oriented business. Now, you are in a physical location and the people who utilize your products and receive the benefit of the things you create are all in physical locations. But try and detach that from the actual physical premise. Could you find a way for that to be a viable end game? It's a really, really interesting question. This is just my opinion, right? It's just my opinion, but I haven't seen anyone do it that is non-active. I actually haven't seen it done. So maybe there's people out there right now that know things I don't. I suspect there are, and their view is really, really different. But from what I've seen in the people that have been in my sphere of influence or have been really, really successful... The only there hasn't been a store within business, and I haven't seen anyone do that well outside of assets. Like either it's buying factories or buying machinery that can sell, like the the storage of that. Maybe some IP stuff, maybe some books or something like that. But my personal view is that I I don't have a great answer for it. Yeah, even that, even even that kind of stuff has depreciating returns. If you buy plant and equipment, depreciating uh, a book. It depreciates unless it's like thinking grow rich or something which just consistently sells probably the same amount of copies every year as it since it first came out but that's a 
you know, that's a unicorn. So it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting thought then, right? So if we take that line of thought, and I actually tend to agree because even if you were to take that line of thought and go, okay, well, well, okay, well, maybe if I just took this to the nth degree, maybe it's all about diversification. What if, what if, what if I took, what if I took a macro million dollars of business wealth and then diversified that into a million different businesses in a way to diversify? We inherently are going to still be in a position where you're investing in volatile, depreciating assets and all that kind of stuff. That you know, the Fortune there's pretty much almost none of the Fortune 500 are the same as they were in 1950. Like like businesses have a tendency to not stay, right? They have a tendency to not be long term. However, you can definitely find many, 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 many. At, you know, currently occupied dwellings, whether they be pubs, houses, castles, government buildings, whatever, that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. And in fact, they're worth a lot more now than they were when they were built. So it's an interesting idea then to then say, can you even like, can you even have a viable end game in business unless you diversify out? Well, it's interesting. It's really interesting because let's pretend you do a short play, okay? Let's pretend you build a company and you sell it in five years. You yeah. work your ring out and you, you go and do it and you've got a million dollars, Yeah. right, hypothetically. Now, if you've got that million dollars in cash now because you've sold the business, well, it's going to depreciate against inflation. Mm-hmm. So you can't even keep it there without, you know, over that 100 years, it's worth nothing. You know, I do laugh. My um, my nan bought her house uh, in a suburb in um, Victoria and she was outraged because it was nine grand. She thought it was worth about eight and a half at the time. Like, and it's worth <laughs> absolute truckload now. Yeah. But I just laugh, you know, at that perspective. And it's not that, you know, real estate definitely has gone up, but it's inflation that's played a big, really big role oh, in yeah, that as sure. well. Um, so I look at that and I, I sit here and go, even if you do have a, a short-term end game, diversification, whether into shares and funds or property or something, you still have to do something else with it. Like you can't necessarily create something on a 100-year basis that's going to exist that you could invest through a business you've built up. But I think an even bigger issue, right, and if you really look at this, is that a false precedent has been set that people think they can or they are. So I'll give you an example. I am really disturbed at a bigger level here in a few things is that most business owners, they're, they're growing on this infinite return idea that they can and I'll give an example. They grow this business and then they've got this, well, someday I'll sell it mm. or someday my kid will take it over or someday in, insert what they think their end game is that isn't very well thought out. But the reality is their business isn't actually sellable yeah. or their kids don't want to do what they do. And majority of them actually just end up shutting down. So they've been putting in this huge amount of delay and sacrifice for something that fizzles into nothing and those business owners end up retiring terribly. And it's really common. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting idea, isn't it? And I think it's one that is definitely worth uh, deep ex- exploration because most business owners, uh, you know, there's a variety of reasons that people reasons that people would go into business. They want to have more autonomy. They want to be, you know, the masters of their own destiny. That's a big one. You know, they they want to do their own thing. A lot of people are uh, they're they're entrepreneurial in their thought they see a problem they want to solve the problem and then they want to you know expand on that solution and serve other people um you know there's a variety of different reasons you see opportunity take it but there's this whole kind of fluidity and this idea that ultimately you're going to be able to you know build build wealth right this is the idea is that you're going to build a business you're you're, you'll grow the business most people have this idea that they're going to grow a bigger business and that eventually they'll either grow a really big business 
sell it or pass it on, right? That's really that's really it, you know, because if you don't sell it, what are you going to do? Close it down? You really don't have that many options. And so let's just say you built a business and let's just say it actually was one of the, you know, fractional percentage that made it past the 10-year mark because depending on where you, what stats you look at, it's between 75 and 95% of businesses don't make it to their 10th birthday. Now, some of those because they are not forced to sell but they just walk away from the business or whatever. But at the end of the day, very few make it past 10 years, which is really interesting in and of itself. I would even go further and say that of the businesses that make it past 10 years, I'll almost bet nearly all of them had to pivot or rebrand or do something completely different than what was their original intention to yep. make it through that time. Yep, 100%. But then here's the other thing is you've got to then take that take that timeline and keep dragging it forward, like keep dragging it forward and go, okay, well, okay, let's just say, let's just say you're one of those percentage that you have pivoted and you're, you're surfing the wave of business and you're surfing the wave of you're, you're constantly uh, you know, dancing the game between changing, you know, market conditions and government policies and pandemics and you manage to run that gauntlet, right? Which is going to be a pretty intense run. We all know anyone who's in business understands it's an intense run. Doesn't matter if things are going good right now, you just need to ask, okay, what's next? You can't, you can never sort of go, all right, this is great. I've cracked the code. There is no code. You can't crack it. You don't have an infinite, you you can't really play the an infinite return game. Now, drag that timeline forward though. What is the timeline? So let's just say you're a 30-year-old business person. Drag that timeline forward 10 years, you're 40. All right, drag that timeline forward another 10 years, you're 50. Okay, are you still working in the business when you're 50? Is that the goal? Drag that timeline forward another 10 years. You're 60. Are you still working in the business? Is that the goal? Because at some point, most people have a desire to have more time and more freedom. And hell, I was having lunch with a, another business owner yesterday and, uh, and you know, he was talking to me about this very issue, this very issue. Now, he's been investing in property with us and it's great, but we were talking about having this very conversation. And... Uh, and the the problem the problem is that no one has an exit strategy, right? So very few. So I would say I have met a couple of people that have, but I would say it's a one percent thing, if that. Yeah, totally. So if you pull this, if you pull keep pulling this timeline forward, like, do you want to keep staying in the business or not? Now I asked this business owner yesterday. I said, I said, well, what is it you want right now? He said, oh, freedom. So what does that mean to you? So I just want to be able to take more time off. Like I'm happy working and stuff. He's not a lazy guy. He's like, but he wants to have more freedom. So at a certain point that you're going to have a desire to be able to have more autonomy of time. Everyone desires that. So then you could ask yourself, if I'm 60 and still working in the business, is that going to serve that goal or not? And if not, if the goal is not to stay working in your business when you're 60, I mean, 20, 30 years time from now, if a 30, 30 year old business owner, then what is the exit strategy? Is it to sell? Now, as you've touched on, most businesses aren't built to sell. 66, we touched on this on another episode, but it's, remind me of the stat, 66% of businesses don't sell. Yeah, so if you list your business with a broker or anyone does, 66% of the businesses that are listed don't actually sell is the stat. So only one third of businesses put up for sale actually sell. Mm. And then um, disturbingly on the other side, the largest majority of uh, reason for close, let's say for someone post 60, is actually health. Yep. They have they get sick or something like that, and then they're unable to continue, and they just only have the option to shut it down. Okay, totally. So what we've what you then decipher from that is that a lot of businesses don't make it for a start. They just don't make it. Then of the businesses that do manage to make it, or we'll say make it in a broad sense, they're alive, right? Don't know what level of health the business is in, but they're alive. 
Of the people who try and sell it, 66% don't sell, which means that two-thirds of business owners who try to sell end up stuck in the business until they're old and gray and have to retire because they're sick and just close the business down or they have to walk away and start again, which is fascinating. And it's 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 terrifying, right? It's terrifying. You're making, you're making the casino sound like good odds here, Goose. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 crazy, right? Because I love business too, right? I left I left I left high school when I was um, I left high school early, right? I was I'm a high school dropout. I, I was already running businesses and doing my own thing and running or gigs and doing all this kind of stuff. And I went to my parents when I was in the first term of year twelve, and I was like, guys, I'm not sure that I want to like I'm. I'm already too busy doing all of this other stuff. I was organizing festivals and I was like literally doing my, had my own business. And they said, look, we totally get it. It makes sense. We can clearly see that's where you're going. We, you know, we support you and all of that kind of stuff. And, and they endorsed my decision to, to bail out of school early, right? So I've been doing this my whole life. Now, varying degrees of success and efficacy, of course, right? But, it's, but I love it. However, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's crazy at the same time because unless you have a strategy to diversify and to build actual some actual security or some some asset wealth base that it can actually bolster your 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 desires to operate in business you're essentially constantly just you know treading water in a set to a certain degree what do you think I'm almost a little bit uh, deep in thought here in like how I actually feel I'm just thinking about people I've actually met along the way in business um, and where they've ended up because I've seen many things. I mean, I'm not pretending I'm in my 80s now and I've seen, you know, everything. There's so much more to learn. But I do think it's really fascinating. There's things I've come across. I, I once met a person that was so obsessed with getting their money out of their business that they underinvested in their business mm. and basically got crushed by their competitors. So they were there like taking everything out, not seeing they needed to reinvest in team and a whole bunch of things and they got crushed. They got wiped out. Yeah. So it's like you can take it too far. But then conversely, it's like – it's more common to see the business owner that's got some imaginary someday of how this is going to play out and they're so obsessed with that that they constantly over-invest in their business and they actually increase their risk massively although not perceiving it in the moment. So there's, there's got to be a balance or an understanding yeah. and I think that's each business owner to find out from there. But what I um, am more excited about than anything is that hopefully people listening to this will start having that conversation of what's right for them. Yeah, totally. There's absolutely no one size fits all. Like I, I think, I think that um, you know, more and more, I, I'm beginning to challenge the idea of um, of business growth. Not because I think it's bad, right? I want to grow the business. Like everyone wants to, everyone wants to have a healthy, growing business. But there's this idea that uh, if I can grow my top line, if I can grow the business, if I can make the business bigger then somehow there's going to be more money left on the table and then that's somehow going to equate to my wealth and that's what I'm that's 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 the goal right so all i need to do is work really hard to keep making the business bigger and the bigger it gets the more money i'll make and subsequently somehow that'll that there'll be a bit of alchemy that's going to happen and that's going to translate into me having more freedom there's this it's a really funny idea and look the reality is the most businesses at scale, I wouldn't say all business, most businesses at scale, like the, the more you grow the top line, the more problems you have. Now, I don't mean problems as in like, oh my God, it's a horrible thing to grow a big business, but naturally you've got to hire more team, you have more complexity. Yeah, you've got to solve a lot of different problems. Typically, your margins go down because you've got more uh, overhead and all of this kind of stuff in your business. So there's not, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a balance there where I think like, is the goal to grow the business or is the goal to, you know, 
to have a really great business, a really fantastic business that can, you know, carve its own place in the market, which could actually have greater levels of longevity because you can serve one niche deeply rather than trying to, you know, capture a bigger market share, just go, how can I serve one niche deeply? And how can I serve that niche for the next 20, 30 years? And how can I have this as a business that I love, but not as a business that I'm a slave to, and not as a business that I hope is one day just going to give me the things that I need, a business that serves itself and also serves you along the way. So if you can build a business that that is stable as opposed to scaling, then I think that's a really noble pursuit because what you can do then is then you can start to think, okay, well, if I have some stability, what can I, how can I then start to build wealth in other asset classes like real estate? And also then what would be the function of that real estate? Because obviously we've talked about you know, different business models in, in property. We've talked about that in previous episodes. But what is the function? Like what is the function that I want that to achieve? Now, if you built stability in your business. Maybe you've got plenty of time and maybe you have a desire to, uh, maybe you do have a desire to do flips. I don't, I don't know, right? Some, some that could be interesting to someone, but for most people, it's probably going to be to generate, you know, some cash flow and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, it's an interesting idea. That's almost like one of my unspoken deepest desires, right? Is like early on in business, I would, and I almost ashamed to admit this, but I think many business owners have done the same thing is like, you're so needing to pay the bills that yeah. you'll take on any project, you'll work with anyone, like it's even if you agree or disagree with their views or if you don't like them as a person or whatever it is, like you do that to survive. Mm. I think many can relate to that and have gone through that and I unfortunately have in uh, very early years where I love the idea of like getting to a stage where I'm comfortable with where I'm at, where I only work with team and people and clients that truly excite me, that it's like I absolutely wake up every day just joyous to be like, oh, I get to listen to this podcast. I get to work with these people. And like, I think that would be a completely different way to show up in the world. Then I got to pay the bills. Totally. And it's very unique, right? And so back to the conversation, I went out, as I said, I went out for lunch with another business owner and we were talking about all this kind of stuff. Now in his business, he's in the coaching space. Now he was talking about this idea that he really knows, he knows who he loves to serve and who he loves to really work with and who gives, you know, excites him and stuff like that. But he's also scared, right? He's scared about what if, like what might happen, what might happen if he says no to some people who maybe aren't the perfect fit. Now this is, you know, he's got a pretty, he's pretty defining what he's doing, but this is a symptom that a lot of other business owners deal with, Right. Well, now it depends. myself included, I'm. I you tell me you haven't woken up in the morning one day going, "What if this all just falls apart?" <laughs> oh, totally. There's a couple like the, the big ang- the big. There's I think a couple of big anxieties. Now that's going to depend on whether you're in a service business, product business. Um, what what there's a bunch of different vectors to put on this. The the things that I think stress the business owner business owners is particularly in service based businesses the most. Waking up and realizing you have clients that you don't want to work with. Right. If you wake up and you're like, "Oh my god, I, 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 oh my god, I hope that I just can't believe I've got to deal with this person." That that cripples business owners. And I was listening to a, I started listening to a very horrible audio book. It, it's horrible. Uh, it's called Built to Sell. Uh, interestingly, but the audio book recording of it is very, very, very bad. I go buy the physical book. Don't listen to the audio book. It's bad. Um, but the, I, say, I love I love that book, but I read it. <laughs> oh man, I it was. 
I need it's to go. One, it's the one with Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Designer, it, it, yeah. Exactly. So I got the first chapter in. So I got this idea of Alex, the designer, and his, his, you know, the premise of the book is it's written about obviously building a business to sell, small people to sell. Uh, but the premise is around um, the story of a guy named Alex who runs an advertising firm and he's got clients that he's like showing up and he's filled with dread that he's got to do all this kind of stuff. So you've got this kind of idea that if, that if you create this business and it doesn't serve the people that you love and you're just trying to chase the dollar because you've got some idea that you need to just make money and that's the function of business as opposed to fulfillment, then then you're going to end up with clients that you don't like and you're going to live a very unhappy and depressing life. Then there's the other side of it that it also terrifies business owners and this doesn't matter whether you're in a service-based business or in a, or in a product base or whatever the case may be, but it's the idea that the whole thing might fall apart. And it's this, it is this fear that drives business owners to act out of scarcity rather than abundance. And I think that that's, that's a really large, really big inherent uh, issue because when you're acting out of scarcity, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to be investing in the right things. You're not going to be saying, okay, what's, what's good for me and good for the business? Now, you spoke a moment ago about a business owner who just was so mad about taking money out of the business that they end up destroying their business. Now, that is a scarcity mindset. That is, that is saying, I need to get all the money out right now because I've got no idea how long this is going to last and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and they fail. An abundance-based mindset would say, okay, cool. What does my business need to be healthy? What do I need to be healthy? What's my future plan and how am I going to do this and all of that kind of stuff? And it takes a much more preeminent perspective on all of that. Sorry, I rambled a bit there. What do you think? No, but I, I, it's really interesting that um, to come back to that person who I will not ma- name at all, like I don't think it's appropriate, no. um, but to come back to that person, that's pretty much what happened. They um, very much created their own worst nightmare through the activities they took. And again, really, really common. And it goes both ways. I've seen people overinvest within their own business as well. Oh, totally. But again, but again, that I think is a scarcity-based mindset, right? Because that that overinvesting in the business is like, okay, I, I've got to, I've got to keep going all in. I've got to keep going all in. Otherwise, the competition will beat me. Otherwise, I'll fail. Otherwise, I'll lose market share. Otherwise, I'll cease to be relevant. And this is the same. It's the same thinking that works both ways, and it's so damaging. Just when I push this question, because like I think this definitely exists in business, but I'm sitting here right now and going, I actually think this exists in property in a big way as well. Mm. Have you? I will. I've definitely come across people that are really obsessed with like getting more properties and more into property, and it becomes very all-consuming to them. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I think that it's I think that it's a. Uh, Look, anyone who's listening to this show is going to have a desire for more, right? And I, I love to go fast and I love to think big and I love to do all that kind of stuff. The more sounds good. More sounds good. But is the goal to have 100 properties? Probably not. Like probably not. Like you're probably pushing things a little too – you're probably going a little too all in, I would say. I would probably say that's a little bit out of balance if that's your goal. Now, I have definitely seen a lot of people that get hung up on the wrong metrics. And it's again, it comes down to a mindset issue. It's this idea that if I have 20 properties, I'll be better. Better than what? Better than their shadow. Better than that dark part in their mind that says they're not worth enough. That's the problem. Now, someone who wants to invest to build wealth, to create residual income streams, to be able to live a better life, to be able to contribute back more, to be able to show up in their business 
knowing that they're safe and secure, right? And look, imagine how imagine how a business owner would show up if they if they said, "Look, the business could fall over today, and I'd be totally fine." Like if the business collapsed, I would be totally fine. How do you think business owners would show up then? They'd show up with a hell of a lot of passion and purpose, and they would serve deeply. They would stop operating out of a scarcity mindset. Now, the same thing. It's the same thing goes both ways. So it's okay if you if you want to invest for that, great. But a lot of people do just go and they get too hungry for this idea that they're going to be a property person, and they get caught up in this identity, and they get caught up in a pursuit of of more. Right, and 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 it's a and it's a it's a it's a bit of a sickness, I think, to to constantly have this idea that more is going to get you to where you want to be, more is going to give you more of what you want. It's not true. Now, to a certain degree, yeah, more money is going to help. Like more money will allow you to do things that you want to do, but to a point, like to a point, you know, the reality is if 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 someone, you know, don't get me wrong. If someone gave me $10 million today, I'd love it, right? It'd be fantastic. But the reality is from a quality of life perspective, I have what I want, you know, like I have food, I have a great relationship, I have freedom, I get to, you know, you know, run a business that I love and serve people that I love. And, you know, you know, we're one of the lucky ones. I don't have any clients. I don't have any clients that I wake up and go, oh my God, you know, like I'm really, really lucky. But that wasn't always the case. Right. And but when you can actually start to think about, okay, well, how can I create a Parthenon? How can I create a structure that allows me to show up in the world calm? Because when you boil it all down, when you say to people, all right, why do you want to build, why do you want to build wealth? Why do you want to grow your business? Why do you want to build a property portfolio? Most people say things like, Oh, I want more freedom. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Time time, money, freedom. Yeah, time, time, money, freedom. Do you know what it actually really is? You know, actually, it's a bit deeper than that. They want to feel calm. Do you know what? Now you mention it, I want to feel calm. Everyone, I would love that. <laughs> totally. Why do they want more money? So they can stop stressing about money so they can feel calm. Why do they want to be able to do what they want, when they want, with who they want? So they can feel calm. And that's really when you boil it down is what it all comes down to. You want to, you want to be able to wake up and just be like, oh, my God. Life's good. I feel calm. I have gratitude. I have the things I need. I am calm. And all of these other things that we chase are just symptoms of that. That is a really interesting idea. How do you design or think about your calm point then, Goose? Like if, and I mean, even we started this podcast with my excitement to buy more, right? For more, more, yes, more. Um, But how do you even consider the idea of this calm point then? What do you think about or how do you from your point of view, because I'm sure you've met many people that have come in as hungry and eager as I have. Yeah. I can't well, I, be the first. No, 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 no. So, so when, when I work with business owners, 50% of my job is putting the brakes on. <laughs> 50% of my job is going- doesn't sound like this bunch at all. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like no, 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 I know that we can go really fast, but let's just, let's just, let's just think about what's going to work well, like what's going to get you to where you want to go and what's going to do that quicker. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, let's just play this through for a little second. Now, if, if I could help you build a property portfolio that would co- completely replace your income, and we, if we could do that in the next uh, three years, and you had, if, if you got to that point and you said, look- Whatever that point is for you, if let's just say it was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right, in in net cash flow, right, 
plus it had appreciating assets and and all of that kind of stuff. And you kind of set yourself up with a bit of a Parthenon. Would your life, would you know, if that was enough for you to feel like, okay, I have everything sorted. I can take care of my family. I have all this stuff that I need. You know, meaningfully going to $200,000 cash flow is probably not going to change the game, right? It's probably not going to change. It's not going to give you more calm, right? It's not going to give you more calm. You know, now your your calm point might be hundred thousand dollars, right? It's a really interesting perspective to go because if you then got to that point with real estate, and then you're like, okay, well, cool. Now that I've kind of got, I'm sorted. I don't really. You then it starts to become a very big dialogue in your mind of like, why would I be stressed? Why would I be stressed? And then you can start to think about, well, if I have all that sorted, then how do I want to show up in business? Now, let me ask you this, Charlie. If you didn't need to worry about uh, revenue, how would your business be different? If I didn't need to worry about revenue, how? I guess I would be less planned and more um, aggressive. In all honesty, interesting. So right now, I'll take you through this. We've just hired some new people, um, and very much I sit there with my cash flow report and P and L, and I go right. I got to time this out where I don't destroy the business Mm -hmm. essentially because if you overhire too early or you invest too much in business assets, drains your cash and then when you've got to make payroll, it's not a fun day. Done that before. Wouldn't recommend it. So I sit there and I go, okay, we'll we'll time that out and make sure we can do it in a path that, you know, find our point of calm here. I don't want to be stress goose. But if I didn't have to worry about revenue, I would probably just go, well, what what do I want this business to look like and just get the pieces like I wouldn't necessarily approach it from a more staged or I think you say staggered or planned approach. Mm. So that that would be the thing that changed for me. I'd also probably take on different projects. I'd try some other things. Like I've got like I'll call it Charlie's legacy list, but you know, like I want to write a book. I want to do a property development at some point. Don't know why, I just do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a list of things that I just I don't want to finish this life without doing for no other reason but to do them. Totally. I, you know what? I reckon the second thing would be that you mentioned there, you'd start to work on your legacy list, you know, because all of a sudden the, the aggressive like scaling of the business becomes a little bit of a moot point because if you then start to think about, well, I mean, it's cool to have an interest in wanting to do that, but then you might also think, yeah, but is, am I better off like hiring 10 more people and going really hard or actually should I start writing that book? Maybe I should maybe I should go on an extended holiday. Maybe I should show my family what what Uluru looks like and you know do, you know like it's a really interesting uh, um, dialogue to be having with yourself because then once you start thinking about that now calmness when you can be calm in your life it doesn't really matter like I, I don't want to peg this on some kind of like financial goal or whatever because you can have calmness calmness in your life right now if you can have gratitude for the things that you have and where you're at right I've, I'm. Totally, it's just a lot easier if you don't have to stress about paying your bills. Totally, right? <laughs> so, so this is so this is the idea of like, well, why why would you, you know, you can boil it right down and go, well, why would you do anything? You could just practice gratitude and you know, fart sunflowers and do all of that kind of stuff. I, I'm just going to say now, I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. I'm like, I think people, um, I just disagree with that statement so much. Uh, yeah, so I do really I. Really do. Yeah, so so do I because I, I think you could. Well, I think you could you could kind of go down that train of thought. But I think that people um, like they they have an internal locus to want to achieve and to want to do all that kind of stuff. It's about understanding what that means to you and really de- detaching yourself from the from the perspectives of other people. Because we started this dialogue talking about end game, right? This was the idea we were coming into this conversation with. What's the end game? And so then you got to start to think, okay, well, what actually, what would be my end game? Is my end game 30 properties? Well, do you want 30 properties that don't do anything? Do you want 30 negatively geared properties? Probably not. 
Like pro- probably not. You probably don't want 30 cash eating liabilities in your portfolio. Bad, Definitely bad, not. Bad idea. So, okay. So maybe it's not about the number of properties because you could, you could go and you could literally go and buy 30 or you could buy $50,000 properties. And you could just go and load up on all of them and I don't know, see what happens if you just want to go chase a big number. But if it's not about, if it's not about that, what is the end game? Now, for most business owners, they want to be able to live a life of passion. I'd say that's accurate. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm damn sure it's accurate. They want to live a life of passion. What that means for different people is going to be different. Now, you may have, I have a passion for helping people in real estate. I do. I, I love it. I really enjoy helping people to navigate this fun game. It's cool. You know, uh, some people might have a passion for um, landscaping. They could be have a, run a landscaping business, and they just they love going and transforming people's where they live, and just giving them that that gift of this space that you know people have got a passion, and that's what drives business owners at the end of the day. And so, the end game I think should be setting yourself up so you can live a life of passion, so you can live a life of calm. Now, the as we touched on earlier in the conversation. Business is inherently volatile and there's a lot of changing conditions. So how much calmness can you ever truly have if you're solely in business and without diversifying that into greater levels of stability? I would love if anyone's listening to this and they have a different view or suggestion, I'm willing to listen. I'm always, uh, even as I'm saying this sentence, I reserve the right to say I was wrong and open up to new information as I think most people should in this world. So if you do know, please let us know if you are one of the listeners here. But in my opinion and based on what I know currently, I just viewed business so differently. I think it's an active short to medium term strategy that can provide exceptional returns. Yep. I don't believe that is true in real estate, I will say as well, or for me at least. Maybe there are some people out there that are gun renovators or have skills that would deem that. But for my own path, it just seems so inherent that short to medium, do business, be active, go crush it and enjoy it and have a business you love. Mm. And then of the proceeds of that that isn't needed for business, for optimal uh, health, push that into other things that set you up so when you're 60, you don't have to do anything. Totally. And this isn't, it's not a light switch solution, right? It's not like, you know, you know, anyone who thinks that, all right, okay, so I'll just go and empty the bank account and go chuck it all in property and, okay, that's the goal. No, that's not the goal either. Like these, these things take time. Building a business takes time. Building a legacy takes time. Building a property portfolio takes time. To see all the benefits of all of this, you need to be a gardener, not a hunter, right? You need, you need to be someone who goes and plants seeds, you need, to, you need to go and take those assets that you've got and whatever they are, assets being intellectual capital, relationship capital, um, you know, financial capital, all of these kind of things, and you need to use those to fertilize your garden. And as you fertilize your garden and as you keep tending to it and keep slowly pulling out the weeds and tending to the dip, you'll eventually start to get the fruits. And it's only once that garden has grown that you get to sit under the tree and sit in the shade. Was it Warren Buffett who said that? Today, someone sits under the tree because someone had the foresight to plan it thirty years ago. I think that's a. I think it's a. a I think th- yeah. I think he did say that, and it comes from like a, an, an older Chinese, uh, an older Chinese uh, phrase or, or or quote or whatever. That the wise man, the wise man plants a seed, plants the seed of a tree that he'll never sit under, which is interesting. I like that a lot. Mm. That's a that's a really interesting way to think about legacy. Yeah, totally. Totally, because because when we then start thinking about you know end games, right, and exit strategies, don't get me wrong, building a business and passing it on to your kids sounds great. It sounds awesome. 
and a lot of businesses aren't built that are built that way. You know, they 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 you know could be a farming business. It could even be a. I mean, hell, I mean, I know town planning businesses that have got that are multi generational and and that's great and that's awesome and it's fantastic and it, there's some interesting stories around that too. But you've also then got to think, okay, well, what if what if your you know, if you give you want to give your gift, give the gift of freedom to your kids and stuff as well. What if they want to do something else? You know, what if they're destined to be a a, a, a TikTok star? I don't know, right? And they want to pursue a different pathway. Then you've got to think about, okay, how can you actually start to build this Parthenon that I like to think of around cash flow, wealth, um, you know, strategy, all of these different things, and build something to last, build something that's great. And big does not always mean equal great. I'd even throw in another point. If you've got a successful business, right, let's go with that premise that someone's got a business that's doing well and it's making excess capital, which it should if you've got a good business. You've got to do something with it anyway. Yeah. So you have what? to kind of pick a path, otherwise inflation destroys you. Yeah. So I don't see if you're in that path, the downside to expanding outside of business is very low. I mean, I don't mind. As I said, I'm non-biased. If people are into gold or property or shares, whatever floats their boat or is right for them, I think it is cool. But it's like you, you really do have to think about this whole conversation outside of business at some point and not late in the game. Totally, because because you know I've said this quite a quite a lot of times, but you know there's so many people out there teaching people how to make money in business, right? The amount of business coaches, business courses, uh, marketing courses, mastermind, the, the list goes on, and the premise of every single one of those is how do you make the business? How how does the business? How do you, how can I make the business make more money? Right, which is totally cool, which is great, but then what? Like then what do you do? Then, then what do you do? You just keep going. Is the idea to spend more money on ads? Is the idea to, you know, buy more factories? You know, is that the idea? Is that the goal? So then that's where you got to really start thinking about what is the end game for me. And Goose, I've just thought of your mastermind, right? It's but then what? That's the, that's the whole group. It's for people that have gotten to this point where they're like, all right, now what? Right, totally, <laughs> and it's totally, and and it, and I think that there's there's a there's a Man, it's it's fascinating because when you start asking, when you ask business owners that question, oof, it gets uncomfortable pretty quick. It gets very uncomfortable pretty quick. Yeah, do you know what? I've got a theory on this. I've really thought about this. I, I don't know about you, but when I first got into business, there was a special kind of excitement. I mean, there was like inner, like like that first Christmas that you understand what Christmas is, like this inner childhood joy that exists in excitement. And then as you get into business, that gets crushed and crushed and crushed the life out of you. And I, I, ha- I still haven't met a business owner to this day that unless they had help from people that were already like maybe their dad passed on a business, but even then, right, I am yet to make anyone that hasn't after a time in business come through with a severe amount of battle wounds. Like they look different. Totally. So after this joy and excitement of all the time, money and freedom they were going to create is beaten out of them and they put in the hard work and they actually make something successful, right? All their energy and consumption and thought has been on that for so long that it's been habit, that they've forgotten about that original end game they got into it for. Mm. And this is where that, you know, could all fall apart, this negative mindset. Like you see so many things that have like they've been, they've just been through so much of a battle in their time in business that the idea of thinking past that or taking focus off that becomes non-existent. Yeah. Becomes so that is game. my uh, theory here. Yeah. 
You know what? I, you know, I'm going to push this. I'm going to push this pencil a little bit further. But I would say that 90% of business owners have no idea about business. <laughs> I'll say 95. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I, you know I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I, I think there's a, an entire generation of business owners who learnt. And I, my original thought was that there's an entire generation of business owners who have learnt, who've tried to learn business from marketers, which is fascinating. I'll take that a step further, and now I'd actually say that there's a whole generation of business owners who have tried to learn how to run a business from advertisers, not even marketers, which is a really interesting uh, distinction. Now, not all businesses are in the marketing space and don't do. But you know, there are there are multitude of businesses that don't have any. They're just like marketing. What is it? They've got supply chains and there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on, right? But I would say that most, the vast majority of business owners have no idea how to run a business because they've never learned it. You know, they get into it because they have this idea, this passion, and they realize they've got a skill set and drive and motivation and they, they've got a way that they can convert their passion into cash and then they go, oh my God, this is a business, I'm going to grow and all this stuff and it grows arms and legs and they never understand the architecture. They never understand what the function of business is, how to really just de- de- design the machine. No one goes through a no one goes through a business architecture course and says, okay, what does the machine look like? What kind of fuel will it run on? How efficient will it be? Is it designed to go fast or far? Like no one does a, a, a business architecture course and says, what does my machine look like? And then work out how to put the pieces together. What happens? is they stumble and fall through this you know, bunch of different activities and money flies around and more activity happens and this, this kind of reaction chain keeps going on until all of a sudden they find themselves where they didn't actually expect that they were ever going to be. Oh, I still love it. I still love it, Goose. It takes me back. I remember getting um, – well, I, to be, I'll be completely honest. I got lucky. I, again, I got into um, business right when Google AdWords and Facebook ads was taking off. Very fortunate. Pure luck. I thought it was going to be a thing. Turned out to be a thing. That was about the thinking that went into it. And everyone out there that's put in way more planning than I did is like, luck definitely plays a role. Mm. But I remember going to this event where it's like I didn't. I thought I knew business when really like it was just like I had something people wanted that was in short supply. You couldn't find people to do these things. Mm. And I went to this business event and I got schooled. I had to eat the most humble pie I've ever eaten in my life because they were talking about things and asking questions and looking at this stuff and I was just like, I am so far out of my depth of understanding here. All I know how to do is sell. That's it. Yep. And it was a a very, very interesting perspective to gain. But I'm so glad it happened because I would have never diversified my skills without that exposure. Yep, 100%. And, and, you know, I think it's a brutal reality for a a lot of people to face up to. You know, I had I had a mentor a while ago, and I I remember getting smacked in the head. You know, I thought I'm doing really well, life's good, you know, and everything like that. And he just he just said to me, he said, "Goose, I don't think you have any business acumen." And I was like, "Oh, it was like a smack to the head." But I was like, "Damn it!" Let me ask another question then. Where, where did you gain the skills of business acumen? For someone out there that is a business owner and they're like, oh, shit, I only know how to do Facebook ads, which I hope you don't. But if that's you when you're facing that reality at the moment, mm. where do you start? Where do you start looking to gain those skills? Uh, to be honest, I, you know, I uh, – man, I, I, I 
had to go and seek a. It was, I think it was a fair. It was. A, I, I was. It was a fair. It was a fair statement. That was the problem, right? This was the actual problem with it. Is it was a fair statement. So then I had to say, well, that's true. And if that's true, what am I going to do about it? Now you can go do things like do an MBA or something like that. You can go study. You know, you can go. Okay, I'm going to go get a master's in business or whatever the case may be. Um, to to my degree, I. I really then just started going, okay, well, who can I go and learn from? And how can I find people who've, who uh, are talking about that? And they're not talking about things like um, revenue growth or, or advertising or any of these kind of things. How do, I, how do I go and find people who are talking about accounting? How do I go and find people who are talking about, you know, profit and loss statements? And that's what I did. You know, so for me, for, to my to my, to my side of things. I looked at books. I looked at courses. I looked at masterminds and I kind of just went into it and I just started asking a lot of questions. And I said, okay, if this is a machine that I, that I want to be a machine that lasts, if I want to be able to drive this machine uh, for a long time and go at a pace that I want it to go at, and I don't want the wheels to fall off. And if I want to get to my end destination, because that's really what it's about, right? If you think about business like a machine that you're going to build, it's like a bike or a motorbike you might consider where you're going to put fuel into it and you're going to hop on it and then you're going to ride it to a destination. So if I want to get from, if I'm in Bondi now and I want to get to Melbourne, what does my, you know, if, I've, if, I've, if I'm in Bondi and I want to get from Bondi to Potts Point, I probably don't need to design a super good motorbike. It doesn't need to last very long, right? I, I might get there and then if it falls apart, hey, say la vie. But if I want to get from here to Perth, it's going to have to be built in a very different way. And so I had to go and start thinking about what is that end game going to be for us? Do I want to be here in a year? Do I want to be here in 10 years? Do I want to be here in 20 years? Now, to, 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 for me personally, you know, uh, I made a decision or me and Gabby made a decision that we wanted to build a business to last. You know, we wanted to build a business that was going to be deeply impactful for a long period of time, not a flash in the pan. And we had to start designing that architecture of what that business would look like in order to do that. And so that's what we did. But then when you start doing that and you start thinking about, okay, what does my business architecture life look like? Then you start thinking about what does my life architecture look like? And that's when you start to think about, okay, well, cool. That's great. I can build that machine, but what else am I doing with my you know, what is, what, is, what is the plan? Like, what's the bigger picture plan? You know, how am I creating legacy? How am I building wealth outside of the business? Am I just going to be a slave to my business in this pursuit of growth? Or is my business going to work for me? Now, if you design a machine, you probably don't want to design a machine with a whip that tells you you have to go and feed it every day. You want to design a machine that will work and it will be relatively sustainable. Now, I don't believe that, I don't believe that you can design a hands-free business. I don't think that's the goal either. But you want to design a business that, that, that functions well and, you know, bears good fruit so that you can live a life so that you can have more calmness. Totally. There's definitely more leveraged businesses and more active ones. Yeah. It's a scale. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that thought though and thinking, Goose. Like mm. it's, a, it's a very deep thing or a deep conversation you and Gabby have had that a lot of business owners never do. So, again, I'm hoping that this whole podcast episode kind of inspires different thinking in people about there. And I'm even going to frame it up. I'm changing my whole perspective. Forget about like your your legacy, your calm point. What's your calm point? Exactly. Like what do you need to get to the calm point? Totally. Because a lot of people get caught up in this idea of legacy as well. And they're like, ah, I'm going to be like some seventh generation. I'm going to build, you know, it's like, like build complete, you know, transitional generational wealth. And that's sick. That's awesome. But, you know, the reality is that most people just don't need that much. You know, Seth Godin is a really interesting um, 
marketer because he talks about marketing, not advertising. Uh, and, you know, his perspective on business is that, uh, well, I think he's got a new book out called Small is the New Big, I, th- I think, something like that. But it's this idea that, that, that enough is enough, like you can have enough. Like he's got a million people who read his blog every day and he's like, I don't want two million. I don't need two million. If I want to try and get to two million people who read my blog, I would have to start doing things that I'm not doing now and I'd have to care more about how people think. He's like, it's enough. Like I don't need any more. And it's this idea of like what is enough. And I think that if you can think about that, it can change the way you think about business. It will change the way you think about life and certainly change the way you think about real estate. Because again, real estate serves a function. Real estate is not the goal. Calm is. Well, I think we wrap this one up there then. That's an awesome point. Real estate isn't the goal. Calm is. Awesome. How's that for a bit? How's that for real estate and business? Oh, it's not even about real estate business, it's about calm. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> Mate, just before we wrap, I, I do want to wrap it up at that. I think it's a good way to end it. Quite funny though, because we the intention coming on here is that um, this was spawned out of conversation of like, how do you think about debt and stuff like that in an end game with a property portfolio? Maybe we'll shelve that to the next one because I think it's really interesting. Definitely. That deserves its own episode. That deserves its own episode. So let's do that. Anyway, I hope this has been super impactful for you. Um, if you're listening to this, check the show notes. It's going to be a link to a special offer just for uh, business owners, specifically for business owners. Uh, and if you are one of those, then check the show notes. We're going to have a little link in there. Um, you'll, you'll get to know all about it when you get there. Uh, but in the meantime, if you need anything from us, then just head to theinvestorlab.com.au. There's free resources, tools, guides, and ways to contact us there. Uh, and as ever, look forward to seeing you on the next episode.